Hi, I'm Joe Shelton. I'm a singer, songwriter, and music producer, as well as a software engineer, and most of all, a father with a daughter who recently moved to Scotland. And I'm Bailey, a magazine editor, graphic designer, and illustrator. This podcast is our weekly catch-up. We wanted to share it with you and let you be a part of our family rabble. <laughs> well, hello, Bailey. Hey. Did you hear the queen died? I heard the queen died. I guess that's this week in Scotland, right? Because Yeah, literally this week in Scotland. <laughs> like there's nothing else going on in Scotland this week except the queen died. Well, certainly not next week. <laughs> the entire country has been issued a state of mourning through like the 19th. So. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Um, you know, I... I there were some things about the queen that I found astonishing. I was like, um, I mean, I've always kind of thought she's been the queen a really long time. <laughs> like she became queen 20 years before I was born <laughs> and I'm old. So like, it's, uh, it's kind of crazy. Um, yeah, well, I almost called, um, well, I've realized that calling granny or grandma would be kind of a, a difficult thing because I don't think, well, I FaceTimed granny. Granny gets FaceTime. But I almost wanted to call grandma Bowman because I feel like she probably remembers the coronation. Seems like something that she would have watched and been like in awe of. But I don't yeah. know. I mean, because she was pretty young uh, at that point. So yeah, but grandma kind of seems like the kind of person who would have been very like starstruck by the the prospect of that. So I mean, perhaps I don't know. Granny might have watched it. I don't know. I mean, I don't know if they even. I, I'm pretty sure they had TV. Uh, but in 1952, not a lot of not everybody had TVs. Yeah, that's so, fair. Mm -hmm. You know. So I got. I want to show you something. Mm, I should have kept it beside me. I didn't think about it before popping on the song. Um. So. This is Ross's Christmas gift. Oh, I see. Newspaper from yesterday. And then I got this one for mom. Because nice. it's like a local. So, you, you, yeah, you, just a, a, a memento from the week. In the back. Yeah. I was thinking about it because, so it's a special edition. And there are articles that were written like now. But uh, all of it is it, every single article in here is about it. And so I, I, I can't help but wonder, like, how many of these pieces were written before? Like, like how old are some of these, you know? Like, well, at what point did we write, like, like, rewrite and rewrite this obituary? I mean, from a journalism standpoint, she was 96. So I'm mm -hmm. sure that for probably more than 10 years. They've well, been ready with this just to like roll it out to the press whenever you know. So, what I'm it's so probably like an ongoing assignment. Be ready just in case because she's, you know, or and she's been yeah. sick a couple times along the way. So they well, probably so, really amped it up, right? Like when she had COVID. Yeah. They were like, okay, she's got COVID. We should like pull all of yeah. our Queen Elizabeth stories together for a tribute yeah. just in case. And then well, you know, the so, like, very tough lady survived it <laughs> you know <laughs> yeah so like um when we were in journalism school we had an entire obituary unit like we just spent like four weeks of a semester doing obituaries um because it's a very common type of article there's like a certain nuance and like civility to it 
Um, it also starts off like an, like basically they teach you obituaries and then they start off the um, like each class each year has a section on ethics in journalism. Like you have to do a session of ethics journalism in every single journalism class that you take. So we did the obituary unit and then that led into the ethical journalism unit for the rest of the year. Um, and one interesting thing about it is that like basically pretty much every major newspaper um, in, in the world uh, has a certain amount of celebrity obituaries just on file and ready to go um, in case one of their major players dies at any given point. So like, for example, the queen pretty much probably from the time she was like 16 or 17, probably like around world war two, um, was probably when they started writing obituaries about her. And I would bet they probably updated that like every year or so, every six months, every time she does something major, um, throughout her entire life. Um, and that's pretty much every every publication. I guarantee you the New York Times has like an archive of like Queen well, Elizabeth II. You know, it, it, I, I've always found it a little bit odd that like, you know, I, I, no disrespect at all to the United Kingdom, but in the United States, people are really fascinated with the royal family. Yeah. For, like, I mean, they're fascinated with them and they have absolutely no impact on no reason to care right yeah but people do and then there are other people who are like you know like so over the royal family every time one an event happens whether it's a wedding or whatever mm-hmm. that they're just jaded about it they're just like oh my god more royal family stuff you know yeah and, uh, i think that's like you know from the america side of this that's what i've seen this week <laughs> it's like there it's it's a vast dichotomy between people who are kind of sad and mm-hmm. you know, like the same you know feeling for the uk and things and then the other people who are like just like unimaginably irritated because it's yeah. taken over every bit of tv time yeah yeah well yeah. And that's, like, that's kind of the funny part about being like a third party observer like especially in scotland like um i feel like if i were yeah, in, like, you're like a ground then, zero for it this. would be yeah well it would be really a, di- a different it would be a different story if I were in England right now, but because I'm in Scotland, there is pretty much that experience, but a very amplified, like a lot of people here actively dislike the Royal family and they kind of have a good reason for it. <laughs> like, like every Irish person on the street is like, yeah, fuck that bitch. Like, I'm glad she's dead. Like that's their first instinct to say like about the queen of england and then like they're like if you talk to someone from england right now they're like almost in tears about it because there's been a portrait of her hanging in their mom's kitchen since they were a kid so like it's like it's a very interesting like dichotomy there and then like the scottish part like a lot of scots don't really care at all (laughs) like like i was uh i was at a buddy's house yesterday Uh, my friend Felix and then his roommate Naran and they like literally like Naran's Egyptian Felix is half German half Scottish and literally they like it was like uh haha isn't this a funny thing that's going on like that was the general consensus so I'm sure it's kind of all over the place I mean it it would be I mean it is yeah 
Right. I mean, like here though, it's there's not a, a, a wide variety of opinions. Like yeah. it's very polarizing. Either people care or they don't care to the point where they're not just apathetic. They're, they're like, like honestly mad we're talking about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're like those are the two camps. There's not there's not like an in-between. Like, yeah. you know, they they honestly care that like a world leader died or whatever, or they're just like, you know beside themselves seething with rage that it's all over the tv yeah, yeah. and sydney sydney shared a tweet with me yesterday it was like um honestly i love when a big world event like this happens because it's almost like we're all on iron chef like we were handed the same ingredient basket and we have to see what we're doing with it. <laughs> that's exactly why i'm excited i feel like we just opened this up is like an episode of chopped Yes. Yeah. yeah. I feel like I'm watching the meme version of Chopped right now. Like, so, and that's why, I, like, literally. I was fit into the John Daly meme. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think we could actually use that, you know, the John Daly meme that's been going around for something yeah. uh, interesting with this, you know? Because, yeah, like you're running to the kitchen, you're grabbing the John Daly meme. <laughs> like, well, like, the, the, you know, the, the, the well dressed person, uh, the golfer that's in the picture. <laughs> You know, his title would be something like really cares about the queen. And the other one was like, let's party. She's gone. <laughs> for <job."> Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, or like some guy on Twitter joking about Diana ch- putting her in a chokehold. Like that sort of thing would be the, like the job. Uh, um, I mean, you know, the, the dark world out there in the Internet, there's some uh, I mean, just really <laughs> it, it's the same way it always is. It's uh, about 96% mean. And then, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, know, well, and I was, you have I to was really curate your feed to keep the mean out. Like, yeah. if you want to do that, that's a, it's a real tough job. And I was yeah. thinking about that a little bit because I was, I think that the, the really fascinating thing for me about it is like, it's hard to imagine a person being in the public eye for 96 years. Like at this point, like I was thinking about that at the start of the pandemic or at any point, really 96. I mean, they don't, people don't live that long that, you know, on average. So that's, that's, you know, that is a point to make, but more of what I'm talking about is the fact that there are very few um, things that hold the public attention that consistently for that amount of time, <laughs> like, like being important, like, I feel like it's a different caliber of, um like matter that like doesn't necessarily happen as often anymore it's like when they talk about like oh well there are not really any true celebrities these days like i think that it's almost hard to imagine the impact of like that world leader dying because we are very much like a instant gratification world so like when you make memes about it on the internet, it's a little bit like, yeah, this is a 14 day news cycle, like tops. But in the grand scheme of things, it's like the funeral isn't until like the 19th. And then there's the coronation. And then it's going to be at least a year or two before we can really get the vibe of what kind of king this guy is going to be, especially given like his entire life. He's kind of been like, in his mother's shadow, there's been a TV series about like his affairs. Like he like had a very public like divorce and remarriage and 
all of the drama with his children has been like his entire life. So the idea of that person then having to take place as a sovereign in the place of someone who has spent their entire life, like having their like public image curated to basically be a very neutral opinion. Like it's a very big thing. And I think that like the capacity of Twitter is not great enough to really give give discussion to that kind of a big theme right like uh, you know I, I, I think it's I, I think it's very interesting only in that there hasn't been a king in england for 70 years you know yeah. and uh they've been led by a, a a female which is quite uh you know like you know it's not that that was um that she was um the same power because it has been a parliamentary democracy for quite a while but <laughs> still well, it is and it's, it's and really they do have a lot of power as the king or queen to do things yeah. <laughs> well and it's kind of crazy because so they just they just elected liz truss and i barely want to talk about it because she's not a good person <laughs> like, mm -hmm. but like, like she's just female boris johnson basically but um like, like for about two days there, there was a female prime minister, a female queen, like a, a female monarch and a female like head of Scot Scotland, right? Nicola Sturgeon. And so it was like for, a, for about two days, <laughs> there was a lot of female leadership in a very diverse like political spectrum here in the UK. And now, like, so it's like a completely, like, it's just a whole new ball game. Like we really switched up the lineup on every front very quickly, you know? Well, and also, you know, Charles managed to have boys and his kids <laughs> managed to have boys. So for the foreseeable future, there's going to be kings. Yeah. Um, well, and they, you know. they switched <laughs> up is... the rules of the, of the lineage. I mean, it's all fuckered anyway i like don't ask me to write a diagram about it because well it's, you know they, they have a they have a whole council that decides the lineage but. yeah but they, <laughs> but they they changed the order of um like how it's handed down because it used to skip women intentionally and now it doesn't like uh no you're right it doesn't but it doesn't matter because they had boys boys boys, boys. yes yeah. <laughs> so that's what i'm saying so for yeah. the foreseeable future it's going to be kings even you know i mean he's 73 king charles yeah uh, and when william becomes king he won't be that old regardless because you know like even if he lives the 96 william's what you know 30 right 35 yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. i don't know how old he is he's not that old so i mean he might be in his late 50s if well, she, if charles lives as long as Charles, um, like I don't. Yeah. Obviously, not one of the people who always like has followed the royals. But like every time I've seen a picture of Prince Charles or King Charles, now he almost looks like he's on the verge of death. Like he looks bad. <laughs> like, I don't know. He looked. He actually looked pretty good on the address that was on TV. Yeah. I, I you know, I, I think though, when he became king, there were a lot more people trying to make him look better. <laughs> just like oh. immediately yeah i do have a story for you so i was on the bus first of all as soon as i like left the house after the news broke it was like storm clouds were rolling in and the street was like weirdly quiet 
<laughs> right? Because <laughs> everybody was, was like watching TV. Or, or whatever. It was more like, I think that everybody was like in watching the news, assessing the news, deciding how they feel about it. Like, like it wasn't like, oh, we're mourning. It was like, huh, a thing is happening right now. Like the tides are changing. Like weird. <laughs> and so I'm yeah. standing at the bus stop. And this older man comes and he he's like on the phone at first and then he like hangs up with the person he's talking to. Um, and he's like looking over the papers he brought along with him and then he checks the bus schedule and I say, oh, are you, are you getting the six? That's the one I'm getting. Um, it's just down the road. I have my GPS thing right here. And he's like, oh, thank you. And then he goes, you know, have you heard the news? And I was like, yeah, the queen died. I'm assuming you're talking about that. And he was like, yeah. And he goes, you know, I wrote to Charles for a lot just last week. And I was like, you know, you mean the, the, the new sovereign? Okay. Um, did he reply? And he was like, well, I don't think that his office has received it yet. The mail's been kind of weird lately. And I'm like, yes. And in my head, I'm thinking, good luck, bud. Like, I don't know. Um, and there's going to be a was, lot of letters coming to him at this point because, you know, condolences and yeah. So, you know, and, and well wishes. And, and, and then also the opposite, right? So, <laughs> mail mixed in. Yeah. So he says to me, he's like, yeah, I, um, I'm part of the Freemason society and, or there, he was talking about like, uh, like the Masonic temple, right? And so he was like, yeah, Charles was a Mason for a long time. And I would, I was writing to him to see if he'd, he'd talk to the Glasgow branch about like his life and his experiences. And I said to him, I was like, yeah, I mean, good luck if you hear back from him, because I'm sure that the office is probably going to be flooded with letters of condolences and you're going to get buried. He was like, yeah, that's probably a lost cause. And in my head, I was like, I don't think this man has fully even realized that we are discussing the desk of a man who three hours ago became the king of England. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like he is now the sovereign ruler of Britain. Like, I think that he's probably well, not going to write any letter. <laughs> and and then, uh, you know, the thing is that it's always been uh, a thing for me about it is, you know, uh, learning about world history and things. The king of England and the king of France, they had a big part in world history, like all throughout history, whoever the king was, whichever way it swung. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and now you're, you know, uh, and and we had a just a queen of England as you know, at the time. So, mm -hmm. like, there's like hundreds of years of the king of england this or, or that that like has been out of the vernacular for a minute well and the queen you know? of england, like she had a huge in, impact like i mean i watched the crown before moving here because i didn't really understand like the history of the uk um, oh by the way <laughs> i was telling my friend felix this i was like you know i was re like we were reading boris johnson's statement and watching the like BBC coverage or whatever. And Boris Johnson said that this was like the UK, United Kingdom saddest day. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I know I just. I'm from the day here. when he became prime minister. Uh, no, no, no. I was like, I know I just moved here. I know I'm not like an expert on the history of the country, but like I watched The Crown. And there was that whole episode about all of those kids in Wales that like died in a coal avalanche. And I feel like that might have been a Saturday. Yeah. Like, 
Like that was brutal. Like, like there have been several very sad disasters during her reign. Like, I mean, during her reign, but before that, there were even Saturdays. I mean, yeah. But like, what I'm saying is, like, in the in the recent <laughs> mental history of the country, like, we can easily yeah. name. I mean, several disasters that were sadder. Like, in the overall history of Britain, the Black Plague was a way sadder situation. Then, then a sovereign dying at ninety six. Yeah, at ninety six. I mean, she was she was ninety six years old. Like, or or the beheading of several queens during Henry Henry the Eighth's reign. Um, Yeah, (laughs) those were sad days. I would argue even her dad's untimely death was probably a Saturday. Well, yes, I mean, considering how beloved he was because of World War Two. Yeah, yeah, like uh, he died a beloved king, and his, like he died of what was it, like a stroke or something? I think so, a stroke yeah. or a heart attack or something like that. Yeah, yeah, it was like it, it, I think it was a stroke because it was specifically they cited the fact that he like was under stress and had um, like problems because of smoking. So well, the thing was, he was never meant to be king anyway. His brother abdicated because yeah. he was marrying American. Yeah. Well, and honestly, thank God for that, because that guy was a fucking Nazi. So, <laughs> like, capital F, fucking Nazi. Like, tried to coordinate with the Nazi regime in order to kill his brother, Nazi. Like, Well, I didn't, you know, I, I didn't say all of the people in the royal family were wonderful. I mean... <laughs> didn't even say some of them. I... Uh, I mean, I was talking about beheadings of the queens a little while ago. Um, yeah. So, so, you know, yeah. this is something if I were Camilla that I would be cautious of. I mean, in the past, kings have <laughs> made some yeah. choices. Well, uh, and yeah. I don't like, think he's yeah. going to, uh, you know, it, in this day and age, I don't know that it will go over with the same kind of, um, you know, it's just it's just a different world we live in, huh? Well, um, and honestly, I think it's it's cool and interesting to have a queen consort like i like i'm interested in that dynamic i think that that'll be interesting to see too like her her presence in the public eye is the first time that we've really like i mean like they were very like let's not look at it too much kind of with her throughout and well because diana was really loved well, yes, but they were fucking before Diana and her, <laughs> him ever got married. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. Uh, well, so, you know, uh, while all of that was going on over there where you are, back here, I mean, I got to say it was a pretty tame week. <laughs> yeah. There, was, there wasn't a lot of news. The, 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 um, the 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 beautiful thing about you know the U.S. as compared to like two years ago is the complete lack of um, seeing like uh, politics on every single thing everywhere. Like yeah. with you know the the president being on TV constantly. I mean, in comparison, it's like he's never on TV. I think he's been on like three times in two years. Yeah. <laughs> so. It's uh, it's much it's much quieter in terms of politics and stuff here. But, um, you know, I I I don't know uh, what's going to happen next week, but I can almost see that there's going to be a a funeral that takes over all American television, and then a coronation is going to happen, um, and yeah. what and that will, 
I mean, that will be wall to wall coverage. <laughs> I won't be able to watch the Today Show that week because it won't really talk about anything that's going on in the world. It will only talk about the coronation. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I know how they covered like the the wedding of Harry and Meghan and the wedding of William and Kate. Hey, it was like, I mean, <laughs> this well, this is going to dwarf that. I mean, <laughs> yeah, this is this is huge. Yeah. yeah. Um they yeah. they're just itching to cover a coronation. Are you kidding me? Um I I I got to tell you they've probably been itching to cover a coronation for about 20 years. <laughs> oh yeah, they're I mean they they are itching. Like they're just they're they're like a heroin addict on, you know, 5 days without, right? Yeah. They're just they're over in the corner like, you know, yeah. doing the whole thing. Scratching their arm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that well, and I yeah, I think that that'll be. I was talking to Ross about it, and he was like, "So you know, I don't know if you know this about Ross, but he's like, he finds the UK's politics like just morbidly fascinating, right? Like, um, very much like every single detail." So, so does this mean that kicking and streaming is going to go into like a, a a phase of covering only movies about? Uh, there, there is truly no way Carrie Ann would ever allow that. <laughs> no, I don't think so. Like, they might, yeah. they might take a week off and like, like, like they, they, they'll do the King's speech. They'll do uh, like. <laughs> well, they've done the King's speech, so I could see oh, them yeah, like okay. re-releasing or re-pushing out their like their episodes on that sort of thing. But on all the, all the, all the, all the. Uh, royal family related movies that have ever happened they're going to go on like a spree well yeah. and they they've done a few um they've I definitely know. did king's speech they've done um oh that movie the iron lady i know they've done the iron lady i listened to that episode really i didn't i didn't listen to either of those so yeah well you're not as good of a fan as i am clearly i know i'm you know i'm i'm sorely lacking um, uh you're not even a patreon subscriber for them that's kind of you know uh, that's only because I'm not a Patreon subscriber for anyone at the moment. Um, okay. Because I haven't even figured out how to Patreon or any of that. Like maybe that's bad. Maybe I should learn how to Patreon, but I've I've never Patreon. It's it's way easier than I thought it would be. It's like basically. It's not uh, complicated. It's not. It's not. It's like subscribing to anything else. It's like subscribing so, to newsletter. Are you saying that Granny would subscribe to it easily? Yes, I think Granny could. Yeah. Really? I honestly do. Because you literally just like give them your email, type in your details, and then they send you emails every time a new thing is released. Hmm. Okay. Well, maybe that's why I'm, I've missed out. Yeah, it's it's super easy. Um, so, now you know, passing by Patreon... Did, did uh, you know, uh, episodes four through seven happen for you this week? Yes. As I, as I transverse into another topic. I did. I did watch Gilmore Girls this week. <laughs> I did. I mean, and I, I think that it's just on the brain on a, like a national note. I think that the fall itch has sunken into everyone because, first of all, uh, the algorithm has been handing me more Gilmore's con Gilmore Girls content. And second of all, my friend Ash, uh, who works for a YouTube channel, um, I can't even remember the name of it, but basically it's a, oh, it's um, Reacts. 
right? So she works for a like React Media um, is her company and they do like video food content. Uh, and she produced an episode of Gilmore Girls themed food this week. And so I was like, there, there's, a, there's an Instagram that's like Gilmore recipes or something. Yeah, I saw that. I was thinking about doing like a little mini zine of all of the stuff that Suki like cooks in the first season and just like recipes to correspond with that. Cause I like have been looking at that too. Yeah. So, um, uh, I, but that, that's cool. I was looking at this, the, this week's episodes. I, I love all four, like, <laughs> like, yeah. But well, as, as I love all four that we've cho- that we've watched this week, the well during one of them I literally I like had to pause it right before the final like scene and then like walk into the other room and just like look I looked at Sid and I just went because <sighs> like, because there's one one line that I just it it fucking tears me apart like one of those episodes is rough so Actually, like. You know, if we start with episode four, the deer hunter, this yeah. is the episode that I I did the most rewinding. Okay, yeah. the the episode is so funny. Like, there's so it's packed. It's like it's totally packed with funny stuff. Like little mm-hmm. funny stuff the whole time. Like, mm-hmm. first off, there's school sh- supply shopping at the start, mm-hmm. and I I like. The thing is, I, I don't like to admit this, but I feel really old because mm-hmm. like school supply shopping, I, I wanted to go school supply shopping, but I don't have any reason to go school supply shopping anymore because y'all, none of you are in school. And yeah, so not even close I'm like, to school supply. I'm, I'm like watching it there and I'm getting a little weepy, like my best days are gone. I don't have to buy <laughs> spiral bound notebooks and pencils anymore, you know? <laughs> if those are your best days, I'm really sorry. But you, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, I've, 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 I've overlanded, you know, and, and like, and so, you know, it, it's kind of doing the school supply thing and it stops and goes into the theme song, which mm-hmm. like, you know, I was like, I was happy for the break because I was feeling mm-hmm. like I wasn't even in the Gilmore Girls anymore. I was like in, you know, nine-year-old Bailey at Walmart with me looking for... <laughs> Being like, why would I want rose art crayons? Those are crappy. Yeah. Dad, I want the real Crayolas. I need the 64 box. I'm like, Bailey, it says no more than 48 on the list. I don't care. I want the 64 box. <laughs> and to this day, I do not care. I'm sorry. <laughs> I love you. That's bullshit. The idea that they would cap me at 48 is... <laughs> No capping me. Don't cap my crayon. Yeah. Don't cap my creativity. It's 48 colors. Who do you think you are? What in the hell? Like, why? What is wrong me? with you? And you, were like, you had that same opinion then. Like, very, very, oh. you know, that no one's going to have 48. Like, you, you, like it, was, it was like a dead serious. Dad, no one is going to have 48. You know, like. <laughs> <laughs> and I stand by it. And and double, I will double down on this. If you have used a rose art crayon one time, you're like, no, absolutely, <laughs> Crayola is the only way. <laughs> well, I didn't care about that. They were they were only like fifty cents difference in price. Yeah, yeah, and then you know, like and then the whole before, before all the Crayolas sell out because another item on school supply list that I always found funny is you you must bring three boxes of Kleenex or something, and I'm like. 
you know, I know we pay tax money for schools. Like, they don't have Kleenex. Like, why is this a thing? <laughs> you know, like... <laughs> Because school funding does not go where it should. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> this is this is ridiculous. You know, like why why is that a thing? Why do I have to have my kid bringing in you know clean yeah. What what you know? Um, I think that that's like one of the very most like the most forefront like indicators that like schools are like misallocating funds, and you really <laughs> like. But like that's a really easy to find symptom of it. either the school corporation isn't get receiving enough of like the county taxes percentage wise, <laughs> or they somewhere in administration or school board are either very corrupt or very stupid, and other people need elected. <laughs> <laughs> and We're spending money on something. Have, I've met Greenfield people. It's a combination. Like, it's, it's not just Greenfield though. Like everywhere, they make them take boxes of Kleenex in. It. It's it's like you know, I, I I understand people buying their own paper and crayons, but the Kleenex. I mean, we can't have bathroom supplies at the school, you know. And uh, so you know, that's the that's one thing. And so anyway, um, but I, it comes into the theme song. And check me if I'm wrong, but I think it's the best theme song in the history of TV shows. Like, oh, it's, I, it's yeah, favorite. I would listen to it right now. It's so good. Yeah, I mean, like, I immediately start singing it completely, top the top of my lungs every time it comes on, and it doesn't. Well, and matter. I so I've been watching, I've been watching before bed, and it, it's like I'll nestle into my blanket, and I have the laptop laying beside me. And then it'll start playing and I'm like laying in the dark with the glow of the screen. And I'm just like singing, like, if you were on the road, (laughs) (laughs) feeling lonely and so cold, you know, (laughs) exactly. Right. You know, it cuts in and you're like, Oh, (laughs) I love it. It's like the best theme song. Um, (laughs) So the, the start, I, I, I made like, uh, bullet points of the things that made me laugh hard. Okay. <laughs> so here's one of them. It took Rory three trips onto the bus to get all of her bags for the first day of school. <laughs> like, it's not a school bus either because it's like a city bus or, you know, cross city bus or whatever that she's taking into Hartford. And mm-hmm. she like goes on and the bus still sits there because it knows that she's got three giant bags to grab. <laughs> And then it, the bus pulls away and you get a reveal shot, which is great directing, by the way, like mm-hmm. a reveal shot of her, like trying to carry like massive bags of stuff into the school. <laughs> I'm just, I completely losing it. I'm like, <laughs> she has so much crap in the bags probably a lot of it wasn't required like there's no way you know there's no way (laughs) and then um it kind of cuts away from that to the heart the heart player running into michelle with the harp Mm -hmm. which i had to rewind it like five times (laughs) she ran over my italian loafers and she says, does Versace make a pacifier? Because <laughs> all you do is whine. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was like, <laughs> the whole thought of this is like hilarious to me. 
Does Versace make a pacifier? Probably. And it's probably like $800. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I didn't look it up. Did did you Google whether Versace makes a pacifier? Because I sure didn't. No. (laughs) So like I told you before, the harp player was cracking me up. But then Mm -hmm. she kind of attacks Michelle with the harp. Mm-hmm. I couldn't take it. Michelle was so indignant. Like, <laughs> well, it's like every time a harp player like is on screen, she's doing something that I would consider to be like, man, do we really need a harp player? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, she's like, they're, they're, I, I like kept these notes segmented and not, they're not in order, but these are things that happened during the episode with the harp player. Like, <laughs> At one point, she's playing, and Laura Glide comes in. Stop! No Black Sabbath, no Steely Dan, no Boston, no Queen. <laughs> and she looks at her and says, "What happened to make you so cold?" <laughs> uh, and, and then she says, "What do you think about Pat Benatar? Great. Can she play the harp?" <laughs> 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 the the the, uh, the heart player. I mean, wow. <laughs> I think that's the end of her. I don't know if we ever see her again after that episode. I mean, I know we don't in five, six, and seven. But yeah, no. I think that's it. I think they like phased her out as a <laughs> shtick after that. <laughs> okay, so but... the heavy, and I have to ask you this: like, okay. how would you feel if I were, you know, uh, in the period when I was single? like started dating one of your teachers? <laughs> I think it depends on the teacher, honestly. Like, I think that like, the, if I were in Rory's situation, I would be not cool with it necessarily. But I also think that I wasn't necessarily invested in my teachers enough to really like, care i think that like i would probably just be uncomfortable with interacting with someone that you were dating that much like like (laughs) like like i like like it's like what lorelei says like she very much has um like put up a boundary with her partners where her kid like the people she's dating don't interact with her child very much and i think that like i completely identify and understand that because like that's very much how like we interact as like parent and children. Like you've met people I've dated, but it's not like you've really formed a relationship with any of them in a substantial way. Well, that, um, you know, that's kind of like, you know, episode seven. I want to talk about that too. But so, like, um, but, but the, the, the Max Lorelai, like at first they just meet, right? Yeah. And, and, but and, like, like I would say, there's a difference between going on a date with one of my teachers and like what eventually their like Lorelai and Max's relationship turns into. Mm-hmm. But I think that if it's going to turn into something like that, then eventually you're not going to be in class with them anyway. And so you don't necessarily have to deal with it for an extended period of time. So right. I think that like, it's like one of those things where in I would say in that moment, it probably wouldn't have been that big of a deal. By the end of the year, it would probably reach maximum awkward. And then it would like 
reach a climax at the end of the school year and then not be hard anymore at all. Because so then it's like right. So before it starts to get awkward and they have that, then there's the little like the the first piece of it where Rory has a bad grade from him, right? Yeah. And yeah. and then she's like upset, and of course I'm dying laughing at Luke because he gives her pie, and yeah. and 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 she says you're giving me pie, and he's like. Well, violent pencil tossing signals need for pie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And she said, what if I threw a pin? He said, I would have given you trout. And she says, what? And he's like, I don't make the rules. I just follow them. <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> um, so, um, and then, of course, Suki the whole time, they're cutting away to her. And she's mm -hmm. having this whole fit over risotto, which yes. like the guy, the guy like, the guy like gave her like a review that was glowing, except for the one thing she wanted a good review on, which was yeah. the risotto. And then she like made 50 different risottos, which like that was cracking me up when Laurel Hyde comes in. She says, oh, we're going theme now, like the Scotch tape store. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I what I liked about that scene was that she makes Laurel Hyde taste one of them. And she's like, I've made 50 different recipes. And Lorelai says like, oh yeah, and? And she goes, and none of them are as good as mine. And Lorelai is like, well, there you fucking go. She's like, I know your risotto is the best it can be. Like, I know it's the best fucking risotto on the planet. We all know that. Now, why is this like getting to you? Like, you know, <laughs> you know it's good. So why do you care that this guy knows it's good, right? Like that's her whole thing is like, if you know it's the best dish ever, if you know it's the magical risotto that adds years to your life, why do you care about what this guy thinks? And like, I think it's just, it's like a matter of pride and principle with Suki to a certain degree. Right. But it's also the counter theme to uh, Rory failing in school, right. Make yeah. it having a little failure. Cause Rory is like one of the best students and she's having a small failure and meltdown at the same yeah. time. And they're yeah. like, the, the writers are balancing those two. And I think it's just brilliant. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause it's like yeah. the lighthearted version because of it. And the serious version of it. <laughs> and the, and Lorelai is the person who's who is those people are resound like like using as a balance, right? Because Lorelai is also the person who has that conversation with Lori where she's like, "Hey, maybe I'm pushing you too hard, and I need you to know that like if this pride is coming from me, you don't have to do anything for me, right?" Right. This has to be for yourself. If it's not, you can go back to Stars Hollow High. I don't care. Like, yeah, exactly. I want you to be happy like, above all else. Yeah. You know, like, if it's like, just something you're doing for me, don't do that. Yeah. Like, like she basically <laughs> yeah. realized she was like, you know, I have a chip on my shoulder about Rory as a pride point for me. And I need my kid to understand that, like, I am proud of her, but I am not going to be upset with her if she, like, fails right like yeah it, I, I'm, I'm gonna pick her back up and dust her off if she exactly yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but you know and then of course the funniest thing in the whole episode really to me i mean like all those other things i've been laughing about right and th that's why i love this fourth episode it's probably it's one of my five favorites ever like there's <laughs> so much in it but like she has to go and take the test that she's been studying for forever they get up late so she takes the jeep Mm -hmm. to go and she gets run into by a deer mm -hmm. <laughs> she's like on the phone with lane i got hit by a deer you hit a deer no, no. i got hit by a deer <laughs> you know like, and 
and like the whole the whole situation, right? And she has to say this like to five different people. I got hit by a deer. And they're like, you hit a deer? No, I got hit by a deer. <laughs> like, you know, she has to she has to explain that she was just sitting still and it ran into the truck into the Jeep, you know. Mm -hmm. She's like, there are antler prints on the side of my mom's car. You can go look, you know, like <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and and he doesn't seem to mind at all. The, you know, and and um Lorelai comes in and tries to have the same rage fit over mm -hmm. her not being able to take the test and gets shot down by the uh, headmaster who's like, you know, I don't really care at all. Like we have these set of rules that you have to be there, period, and you're going to follow those. Like, <laughs> and that's just what it is. And I don't care what the re the, the the reason. It, it doesn't matter. I'm not I'm not bending on any reasons, you know. <laughs> and yeah. it, he's like. She's like, and and he and then he says, and you're exactly right. Like all the things she said about the school that she saw as insults. Mm -hmm. He's like, these aren't insults. This is we do have unreasonable standards. That's the point. That's why you're here. You don't have to be here. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I was like, you know, the the thing about that is that. Um, People could get behind that 20 years ago, but I don't know that people would today. People have a no. like, <laughs> well, and because it's like, so yeah, I was thinking about what he was saying too. And I like, I think that it's, it was a very unique thing in that script and in that moment for him to kind of own up to, yeah, this is a ridiculous standard. It's an impossible standard, but it's the one that it is. It's the rules that we have, and you knew that they were in place, and this is the repercussion for them. If you can't handle it, that's fine. There are other places with different standards. <laughs> and, and, like, it's very much, it's interesting to hear someone say that so openly, because, like, that very much is what, like, maintains a prestige like that in any standard, right? Like, you mm -hmm. and I have had conversations like that with my job where we're talking about like golf club memberships, where it's like, there are some of these standards that are really just for like the sake of holding precedent. Like you don't have to be wearing slacks to play golf. In fact, it's probably not very comfortable to do so 100% of the time. Sometimes you probably want a more breathable fabric than starched cotton. However, like it's what this place wants. Yeah. We are at an institution right now and we have a dress code, not because it's improper to wear other clothing in this open field, but because that's just the standard that we set. And want to go play golf at a different club and wear a, a tank top and a, a and and shorts? Have at it. You can go enjoy the municipal course in like, <laughs> exactly right. Like exactly. that. That's the difference. It's like yeah. you know, and, and 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 the same goes for you know. I think we had this discussion before where I was like, you know, some of these clubs, you know, it isn't about race or creed or anything. It's totally about money. It's like. Yeah, we don't want anybody in here that isn't a millionaire. So the fee to come in this place is, you know, and there just aren't that many black millionaires to be uh, admitted. So, you know, or, or, or billionaires in some cases, the really exclusive places where it's like, oh, you'll be paying 500,000 a year for fees. If you're yeah, not rich as hell, no you're not, <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah, you're not going to be here. You know? And, and, and <laughs> so that's, that's the, that's what Chilton is getting at is like, yeah, we have those ridiculous the standards in place because we're dealing with people who can basically do whatever the fuck they want. 
right? So we have to put some standards in there, first of all, to maintain maintain prestige, to say, yeah, even the the people who can have whatever they want or do whatever they want have to follow our our rules if they want our shiny little whatever, right? Yes. They want 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 our stamp to go to Harvard then they're going to do this. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and that's the, um, you know, that's the, um, that's the thing that she's, you know, it's like, honestly, that's what you're paying for. That's why you're going through all yeah. these dinners with your parents that you hate. That's why you're, <laughs> you know, like this yeah. is what you're doing to make that happen, you know, and no one said it was going to be easy or that life was fair, you know? Well, <laughs> You know? And you know what, honestly, like, it, it's like one of those things where it's uh, like something like, oh, you will not get a grade if you're late for the test is one of those standards that it very much like explains the dynamic that they didn't realize, like Rory didn't realize she was switching into, right? Like it's a discussion about the rules that have nothing to do with the value of your content and character, right? Like she was talking, like that is an entirely societal cultural thing. Very similar to what happens in the next episode with her birthday parties, right? Where it's Mm -hmm. like, she's being put into a different societal standard and rule set that she wasn't raised in. She doesn't understand understand the rules and the people who do understand the rules have absolutely no interest in explaining them to her so (laughs) well and and actually it it isn't i mean the the two birthday parties is the one after cinnamon's wake which is the first place where we start to see this culture clash right because like uh to emily she wants cousin claudia's funeral to be important to lorelei and rory They've never really met cousin Claudia, but in Emily's society world, like even relatives, it doesn't yeah. matter, right? Like it, this is a social event, and you must go, right? Yes. And and the but on the other hand, Lorelai's neighbor's cat dies, right? And, yeah, and, and it doesn't matter that it's a cat, and that nobody cares about the cat in the society. Funeral, funerals aren't for cats; they're for the owners, like. Funerals aren't for the people who died. They're for the people who left behind. And everybody cares about Babette, right? Like they care about the whole town cares about her, like really, really cares about her to the Mm -hmm. point where they're all going to put together and have this wake. It's not because of the cat. And that's what's hard for Lorelai to explain to her mother and to Max, (laughs) right? When he shows up for their date, right? It's like, he she has a hard time explaining it because it's not about the cat it's about yeah. babette you know yeah. and, and, and and the and, thing is know. it's like the second you as a viewer see babette just absolutely falling apart you think to yourself well of course they would right right because like, they're really close friends right really close it, like, like it, if, it's not like you know cousin claudia she had no interest in going because she wasn't close to cousin claudia she didn't know claus and claudia or cousin Claudia's kids, or yeah. you know anybody that was left behind, and yeah. you know, and she also Emily didn't really have that kind of a closeness either. It, all of yeah. her like thing was completely about having you know the right societal view. You know, my yeah. family showed up for this, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And so, like that kind of thing is starting to really come to a head, and I think that 
It's like that episode with Cinnamon's death is like a really good indicator of the society that starts hollow is right. Like that, like it's really when you start to see the, the boiling point of honestly, like as much as the Gilmore's and the Chilton and, and Harvard and Yale later on, like society is like kind of a commentary and a discussion. And like Sid and I were talking about like, there's almost like an idealist tint to how the Gilmore's are written where it's like not mm-hmm. everybody with strained relationship with their family has a mother who eventually will have character development. <laughs> like sometimes those relationships never are resolved. Um, but yeah, but, I mean, that's what I love about it is that it's a, it's a hopeful view of the world. Exactly. And the there's enough, there's follow. enough dark views of the world in, in, in other shows where yeah. things don't go the way they should it's in, like, in terms of an idealistic world. Right. Yeah. And I so love like, that about it because it, it it's like, Hey, th- this is one option. This is a path that could happen. This is a, you know, like it gives you hope. It's a hopeful show, you know? So, <laughs> so this episode to me is the first like real like picture frame indicator of Stars Hollow in that hopeful worldview, like of, of what it is. Like the reason people love Stars Hollow is because Stars Hollow is the hometown that you wish your hometown was right? Like you might have the fall festivals and the like little characters and the politics and the like small shops and stuff like that. But the difference between Stars Hollow and like say Noblesville, Indiana is the fact that like everybody knows each other, everybody cares about each other. And there's like a support network there, right? (laughs) That like people are welcomed into and invited into. Well, and I think that that happens in, you know, in, in small pockets inside the towns that's just like you know we didn't live in a small enough place like we lived in in greenfield and it's a small place but it's not small enough to get to that level right well you you just have too much diversity at the end of the day huh well i would argue that part of the problem with greenfield is also that like there is a societal like the, the the societal expectations and placement of greenfield is very not um like the community is not community based. <laughs> like we're not focused on community for community sake. There aren't community centers. There's not community events really. Like yeah, the community primarily. No, 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 no. The community centers are the school, the church, and um, there's a third one. I'm trying to remember. Like the Better Business Bureau thing, right? Like if you are a small business, a religious institution, or a member of the school system those are where the community in Greenfield is specifically. No, the, the Parks and Recreation Department has a community center at, at the Riley Park. and Yeah, but that's not where the community is. <laughs> like, that's where 12 oh, I mean. are. Um, so <laughs> uh, like I said, it, it, it's, it's a, um, I, I think that there are pockets of communities in here as well. Like there are the, there's the whole society of people that, that do the Riley house and its whole grounds and stuff. And there's a lot of people that are really into that preservation. There's the historical preservation people. There's like a whole yes, of that community, you know, again, there's the boy scouts also. community and the girl scouts community where they're like all together inside their little, you know, and thing. <laughs> um, yes. So like, that's a conversation that I've had with mom before because mom hates Greenfield. 
And the reason I is because it. mom has <laughs> never fit in to any of those three major pockets that control a large portion of every programming, every community festival, every everything. She's not in the school system. She's not in a really, like any house of worship and she's not in the better business, whatever of Greenfield. And then she moves to Pendleton and the people who have that power as a community are her wheelhouse of items. That's the people on the kind of like city council are the historic preservationists. They are the like, um, friends of falls park, <laughs> like, like, like the, her demographic of things that she's interested in are the people who are the major pillars of the community foundations. They're the major pillars of like, the money that happens, the festivals that happen within the town that she lives in, right? So like in Greenfield, she thinks that there is no community, but that's because the community is rooted in something that she's not connected with. And if you live outside of those things, they aren't going to welcome you in. Yeah, I mean, I, I like I said, I think it's it, a little bigger town lends itself to like segmenting, you know? Right. And, and, and that's, the, that's what, you know, Stars Hollow is really small. So it, it doesn't have segmenting because it hasn't run out of the size thing to where it would break up and splinter. You yeah, know? there's only, what would right. you say? There, there's like a 3,000 person population in Stars Hollow? Like, uh, it feels like that, something like that. Yeah. yeah, like the fact that they have a full marching band is kind of hilarious. <laughs> like, um, you know, I mean, you don't know what, what's coming in from just outside of town to fill that school up, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, but then... Um, you know, uh, another thing that I, I saw in this episode that was, you know, an interesting view of community is kind of the outsider that comes in and is kind of incredulous, which is played by Michelle, like almost all the time throughout the series. Right. Yeah. And in this particular one, like they're having the thing there and he doesn't know why the whole town's getting together. And he walks into the into the place and he says, uh what's going on to like Lorelai whatever and she's like you know it's a way oh, he says you he you're says, having a party and you didn't invite me you're it's having like, a party and you didn't invite me or something and he's like he's like well it's a it's a wake for cinnamon he's like who is cinnamon and you know babette's cat you're mourning a cat yeah get out of here <laughs> she like <"Get> <laughs> <out."> <laughs> you know like, yeah. this is not the place this isn't a party you you don't want to be here <laughs> like yeah if you don't know, you're not going to be part of the support here. So yeah. <laughs> you're not part of this one. You need to go. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. And and it's like that's the reaction that all of us from as outsiders would have, right? Like you're mourning a cat. What? <laughs> you know, like <laughs> so he gets mm -hmm. to speak for the viewers basically in that episode. You know. Yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> like if you're not friends with Babette enough to know the importance of the cat, then you probably <laughs> should not be here. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> You're just not going to get it, and I'm not going to be able to explain it to you. So get out, you know. Yeah, yeah, and it's going to be really awkward for you to be here and pretend that you care enough about Babette to be here. So <laughs> um, that, and I think wasn't this also the episode where um, Luke is being forced to put turkeys up? Like <laughs> he's being. No, like, that's bullied. the next one. That's the birthday party ones, I think. No, I think it's this one because what's the B plot of this one? Because Cinnamon doesn't die until like halfway through. Oh, Sookie and Luke are arguing about food. That's it. That's what yes. And and and, and tries and to that, go behind the counter. Yeah, because she goes behind the counter and like starts changing his food, right? And then yeah, um, yeah. and then there's also the third side plot, which is Kirk is finally Kirk, right? And yes. um, and he's the assistant manager at Dozy's now. And, oh yeah, and he tries and, to. And he tries to get 
she was eating the stuff and then and then he has to apologize to her later because she's like you know she's miss patty yeah miss patty and taylor's like no you can't just let her eat whatever she wants (laughs) like i'm not going to be in a fight with miss patty which i think is funny because we don't know taylor yet at that point, yeah, we don't know Dozy yet. Like, he's like my own, my you know the 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 owner told me that you know you were the important Miss Patty and that I needed, it. but we don't get to meet Taylor until episode seven. So like yeah. we do the birthday parties episode, and then we meet Taylor in episode seven. But in the in the birthday parties episode, which is you know they start off at Grandma's and she wants them to so, to know, do the party there on Friday. Do the party, and you know the funny thing is. She the, the the sad part is that Emily really, really, really wants to be a good parent. Like underneath all of that other pretentious shit, she really desperately wants to be and fix whatever she screwed up. Right. Like, well, like, and this is the first time when you really feel like she knows she screwed up. And it's after they have the party in Stars Hollow with the whole town there celebrating Rory. That hold she goes on, outside and hold on, hold on, just okay. hold that thought for a second because right. I want to start with the pudding. Okay, okay, we're talking about the birthday episode. Let's start with the pudding. Okay, I think the me- the first of all the metaphor of the pudding is so like at first you're like pudding, like you like pudding, like like that's the thing, and it's like one of those things where like it perfectly like addresses the like sentiment of it like like i think that i've had moments like that where it's like yeah sometimes my mom is just bad at getting it right like there's something that's not clicking she just doesn't understand what i'm saying or what my thought process is and then every now and again it clicks and you're like this is not what I would expect you to understand. <laughs> like, like we align on a lot of things. I did not expect you to get pudding. <laughs> like, and it's not like, oh, it's just so simple to remember that I like pudding. Like thinking actively that someone's going to want pudding is insane. <laughs> like, like that is a weird thing to like. It's a weird <laughs> thing to say. I know they like it enough for me to put it on my fine dining dishes. Like, well, and, and not just, I mean, I think the pudding was more of a, a, a metaphor in, I mean, uh, it was that, but it wasn't just specifically pudding. It's that yeah. Lorelai and Rory by extension, they have a great love of like easy junk food. Right. Yeah. And, and, and they do because Lorelai never right? as a child, I guarantee as a child, Lorelai never got to have one stitch of junk food right like not even a little bit of it like you know yeah. no put not even pudding right which is yeah. a not even that much of a junk food right but yeah. be damned if she ever gonna have like you know twinkies right okay yeah. because like there was always a fine dining meal served for every meal at the house right <laughs> like, like a, a chef kind of put together like as if you went to a really nice restaurant meal at every meal and like sometimes you just want something casual, like to order pizza and have some Twinkies. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, like, like, like uh, the Gilmore's home is the opposite of a no shoes household, right? <laughs> like, yes, <laughs> you, will, you will be leaving your shoes on, and they better not track mud. Like, <laughs> and so, well, and like that's kind of it's like there's a complex to saying, oh, I want pudding, right? And so like, 
it's a thing that's kind of hard to understand as a casual like onlooker. And then like as an Emily Gilmore thing, it's like the opposite of an understandable thing. So like when they're shopping in the store, like the things that Lorelai is pulling up and saying, oh, Rory would love this are not things that a normal person would love, right? It's like she pulls up that giant fugly like pink guitar purse and she's like, oh, Rory would love this. And she's like, are you sure? And even the viewer is like, girl, are you sure? Like, I wouldn't, I don't know any 16-year-old girl who's like, yeah, I want a fugly guitar purse. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> right. And it's like, it's like one of those things where she's like, yeah, I bet Rory would like that because it's ridiculous and hokey and fun and colorful. And like, those are the things that she really wants out of a birthday gift more than something that she would actually need or use like a nice writing utensil. <laughs> like, and so it's like both gifts are probably nice, but like the, the energy that Emily Gilmore always gives off when she gives anything is this is a thing that is highly useful and highly sophisticated and has a air of elegant beauty to it. And so when she picks out the like, beaded bracelets that light up they are purely novelty crap and like that is like a delight to Lorelai and by extension Rory and that's like the thing that Lorelai's like I think my mom finally understands me because she has understood the novelty aspect of me but and, and then she realizes that she doesn't no she doesn't she's like <laughs> noticing a pattern so she's like starting to do the first like fakey understanding of something. Like when you're learning something and mm -hmm. you try it, even though you're like, this makes no sense that this would work. And then you fail and you have to undo and retry again. Like finding a way to understand her child is that like, she's starting to do the early forms of pattern recognition and then, like, really what happens with the birthday party, I almost feel bad for Emily because there's this expectation put on her because her child and grandchild have started to notice the attempt being made. And they put her into basically the fucking Kentucky Derby of understanding, right? Where it's like, she is now planning a birthday party for this person. <laughs> It's like she has not nearly the equipment to do that. And, well, they say, and, and she 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 creates an Emily party, not a Rory party. Exactly. Because and, she has and, no way of knowing a Rory party. She right. doesn't know. And, and then she invites everybody from Rory's school because they're society people. And there's an expectation of society that you'll just invite all the people. Right. Yes. And yes. that is uh, like from Rory's perspective. For a birthday party, she's not inviting people she doesn't like, no matter what society expects. <laughs> yeah, because it's her birthday. Like, right. I don't want people I hate on my birthday. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, I don't like, you know, I'm not even going to be polite to them either. You know, like <laughs> they show up on my birthday, you know, yeah. and like, you know, and, you know, she there's no one she likes less than Tristan. You yeah. know, at that point, it's, you know, Kristen's a creepy asshole at this point, <laughs> right? And He's done nothing but be creepy and rude to her. And also, she doesn't like Paris, right? No. She doesn't like Paris. And actually, that whole thing, though, uh, in the in a weird way, starts to make her and Paris friends. Yeah, right? because yeah. 
like Paris sees the party and how like she actually sees how um Rory isn't really who she thought she was, right? Yeah. Like she yeah, sees her and the she's first like time that she realizes Rory isn't trying to cl- like claw her way up, right? Right. Because they're in an environment in which someone would claw their way up. Like if Rory right. were actually the person that Paris thinks Rory is that party would be a dream to her. It would be the ideal. She would be flitting around, making friends and networking and all that. And what she's doing is basically telling everybody off the whole night. And Paris kind of likes that because she's the kind of person that loves to tell people off, right? And when she sees Rory tell people off, that's when she decides there's something about her that she might actually like. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You know what I mean? And you can see it on her face. And then it happens later because they have that moment at the... um, College fair. College fair. Yeah. Where you almost start to see that Paris has a crush on Tristan and you're like, horrible choice, Paris, but go on. (laughs) Right. But like, you you don't like him? No, I hate him. You know, basically, she's like, she's like, okay, well, then we're not going to be competing about that then. So, you know, I guess you can go. We have one thing we're not competing about. And and we have something in common. Both of us have a huge dream of going to Harvard. Right. Like, like like totally that's our dream, you know? Yeah. And And so now uh, it's like, she finally has three avenues in which she likes Rory. And so the building blocks of them maybe cohabitating are in place, which means maybe being friends start. Yeah. Yeah. That's Um, nice. Now that said that that party (laughs) makes me so mad. (laughs) Like, like, because I, I like she has that moment. Rory has that moment with Lane where she's like already staring down the barrel of this gun, right? She like knows she's gonna have a bad time at this party. And if she had just pulled aside her grandma separately and said beforehand, Hey, I wish you hadn't invited these people, that entire thing would have at least not been that lethal, right? But the fact that she like held it in, like it's just it's like one of those things where it's like she decided to hold it in because she didn't want to allow Lorelai to know. But that means she also didn't address the problem with her grandma at all, which like tells me in a way it's like I feel like Rory really doesn't have a relationship with her grandma at all at this. Well, but but here's the other thing. I think that Rory wants to have a relationship with her grandma and grandpa mm-hmm. and, and she doesn't want to just cut them. Like she doesn't, she wants to give them a lot more room than Lorelai yeah. will. Right. Yes. And she realizes that her mother doesn't give them any room at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just instinctively yeah. like that she gives them zero slack. And so she gives them way too much slack in mm-hmm. like in return. Right. Yeah. And, well, and, it's and, like, and, that, and that bites her a few times over the whole series, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's basically, and it bites both of them because like, first of all, it like, it bites her because she, she feels like she doesn't like, she's first realizing what the problem with Lorelai and her grandma has always been, right? It's the first moment where Rory is kind of switching from oh, my mom doesn't get along with my grandparents and I'm not really sure why to, oh, actually I am remembering that this is what my mom always said it was like, 
right? She even has that moment in the bedroom after she blows up on grandma where she's like sitting in her mom's bed and she's like, oh, this must have been what it was like for you growing up, right? It's like the first time she actually understands and empathizes with what her mom went through. And she, you know, she says, she's like, what was your last birthday here like? And Lorelai is like, oh, I was pregnant and we had just had a fight. And like, she's explaining what happened. And in that moment, you almost see it come across Rory's face that she realizes like her situation is so much better than what her mom lived through. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yes. Because it's one thing to yell at Yeah. Yeah, It's one thing to yell at your grandma because she did a thing that hurt your feelings on your birthday. And it's an entirely other thing for that person to be your mother and for the thing that you did to like be an understandable thing for your parent to be upset about and something you can't change and something that has equally caused you anger. Right. Yeah. And and, like, Lorelai's situation is like, you know, her parents almost led her down that path, you know, and they didn't realize they were. (laughs) There were probably a million birthday party moments for Lorelai before the pregnancy even became a thing. Right. And, and so like, so she's, but but the thing that I, I find the best about Rory, which is why she's, you know, the queen of all in, in all of the series is that she has this insight that comes across to her, which is like, okay, so what needs to happen is I need to make up with grandma by inviting her to my party tomorrow. Right? Yeah. yeah. And, and and if she doesn't come, that's on her. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, well, honestly... <laughs> I thought like the thing is with this episode is you're already starting off on a sour note. The second Lorelai doesn't invite or even tell like her mom about the party on Saturday. Right. Mm -hmm. Like, like they, Rory was already making a choice that cut her parents out of the relationship when she said, Oh, well, can we, do this dinner on another night so that I can have my birthday party like without them. Right. Like she's already saying, Oh, I didn't like, she was already thinking, Oh, I wouldn't invite them to that. And if it weren't for this like sour note with this failed attempt at a birthday party and the need for an apology, she might not have invited Emily and (laughs) Richard over to her birthday, actual birthday party at all. Right. So it's like, and and think about this. This is a, a dynamic that I really love in the in the situation because we were talking about how Emily went to search for a gift and all that. Yeah. Well, Richard, he already got past all of this with Rory when he went out for golf with her, and he knows yeah. what she likes and what she's into because he actually listened to her. He spent and, two hours on a golf course with her, talking about her and them. <laughs> right, and and he learned more about her to the point where he gives her money for Fez because he knows that's her ultimate dream and he doesn't like i mean it makes me a little bit weepy because it's like he's like being a really good grandparent right he's like i know exactly what you want i don't need to get you some trinket or something i'm going to help you achieve the thing that you really want to achieve you know and he like steps like way above you know (laughs) and he does it both nights 
And she's like, you already gave me for my money for Fez. And he says, Fez is expensive. Well, and <laughs> you know? I think that it's like, like, it's one of those things where knowing the full series has made me rewatch Richard in a different way. Because the thing that he does is he's very selfish with that information. You know, mm-hmm. like he could have helped Emily to get there too. But at no point did he help her get that insight, right? Like they don't, they weren't working as a team to build a relationship with Rory. Their relationships with Rory exist separately from one another. Yeah. And And with Lorelai, really, to tell you the truth. (laughs) And, And to tell you the truth, like the thing with Lorelai is like, I, I think in a lot of ways she is not, she is simultaneously not as mad at her dad and way more disappointed in him, right? Because it, like you can yes. tell in the way that Richard interacts with Rory that it was probably very similar when Lorelai was a kid, where it was like her mom would be severe and bring down the hammer. And her dad was probably the person who would do the little funny intelligent inside jokes to the side. Oh, don't you worry about that. Blah, blah, blah. And when Richard did what he did to Lorelai for the same reasons Emily did, it was very much like, Oh, you were pretending to be on my side through all of this, but you still have the same societal expectations. Yeah, and you're not willing to bend them at all. Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. You're not going to um, bend them for us. Our relationship was just built as a kind of farce to hide the fact that you feel that way. You know, well, and and, and and you know, it leads back to the whole thing where I like, you know, I watched Emily. You know, she wanted she goes and they get in the car and she says she's right. I don't know my daughter at all, and mm-hmm. it's like. The thing is, sometimes, no matter how bad you want to be a good parent or how good a parent you are, you mm-hmm. don't you don't know everything. And the 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 farther away you are, the less you know. You know, like when you don't talk or you don't communicate well or whatever, then you end up knowing way less. Like things go by that people that they won't tell you about or whatever. You know, like yeah. it, it, they're your kid, your what you know, your closeness is only as good as your communication. Yeah. You know? <laughs> well, and, and so uh, it's like the so, thing is with with Richard is like I I I so like I I do love him so much as a character, but he also has like like when we were talking about the Rory episode and that pride, what really shines through in that moment, like Emily is a proud person, and I think that. Like, in a way, whenever Lorelai has those moments, her first reaction is, oh, my God, I'm a, my mother. But when she's having that pride moment in the dean's office, the fight that she's having and the realization she's having with, oh, I always told her Harvard. Harvard, she was in a, she was in a sweatshirt before she could walk. Like, that pride that she has in affiliation with Lori is 100% Richard. That is what that is. Like at the crux of it, the moment that Lorelai has when she stops her daughter and she grabs her hand and she says, hey, if this is something I'm putting on you, I want you to 
understand that I do not want you to go down this road if it's just for me. What she's saying is, I don't want to be my dad about this because that's exactly what Richard did. That's Richard's vice, is that pride. <laughs> like, yeah. he so has a He's mad that she didn't finish Chilton. He's mad that she didn't go to Yale. Like, yeah. And he and won't she, get over it. <laughs> because he sees it as a personal thing. He It hurt his pride and he hates her for it. And mm-hmm. so like that, that to me is such. And he had to be the guy in the steam room, just like the other guys who had yeah. the daughter that didn't, that disappointed him. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and like that hasn't come to a head yet, but it almost adds like a bittersweet note when you start to realize it before that she drops in those early episodes, like he is already starting to lead up to the thing that like, he's already starting to put himself in line for that failure, even before he even realizes what he's doing. Right. Like, (laughs) yeah. Like the path he's going down with Rory, him going to that party, him handing the Fez money. Like, Like another moment with Richard in the, in the birthday party is he has his like business buddies that he's talking to and he introduces Rory to them and they all hand the envelopes, but he doesn't recognize that the reason his granddaughter is walking up to him is because she's looking for a breather out of this situation. Like he doesn't recognize that she's being tortured right now. And then later on in the party, when Tristan is there and approaches her and is talking to her, he says, he's like engaging in the conversation. He's reacting to what's happening, but he doesn't even recognize that Rory clearly hates this child. And he's like giving her like the big thumbs up of approval. Oh, Tristan is a friend. I approve. And it's because of some business buddy he has. He's like all pride brain. He's not even realizing or recognizing that the person he's like, building this relationship with knows so well is handing her fez money is like going through something he's like there for her to a degree that suits him true yeah so as we get out of the birthday party and into the commando episode well we haven't even finished up birthday party because what else do we need to do for birthday party the last bit of that is i think 100% Emily in Lorelai's home because like that yeah yeah, where she like explores the home yeah she's like it's the first time that she's really been in that house and she's sitting there and she's listening to all of these stories about how Rory was as a kid and it's not like she didn't see her granddaughter at that time but she wasn't allowed but she wasn't privy the fairy circle version of Rory Right. Or the like, or anything other than what happens at Christmas and Easter. Exactly. And so like that kind of thing is like, she's honestly escaping upstairs to just take a minute to process that she didn't watch her granddaughter grow up. And she's like holding that like baby blanket. And what she's thinking about it it, when she's looking at it is like all these baby clothes. And I missed so much from my granddaughter. And then she starts looking around Lorelai's bedroom and she like what finally fucking clicks for her is that she sees that picture of Lorelai in the cast and Lorelai tells the story and Emily's already vulnerable and she actually listens. And I think what happens in that yoga story is partially, Oh, I've missed these moments in my daughter's adult life. Like I've missed my daughter being a mother. You but missed it's her growing also, up as well because she was 16 when she had Rory, so she wasn't exactly. even up yet. <laughs> yeah, and it's like 
she also is clicking for the first time that she has missed, even while present, the parts of Lorelai that were kid Lori, right? Like, there's a playfulness in Lorelai that has always been there that Emily has basically ignored. (laughs) As like, even when she was there, wasn't paying attention enough to understand. Like... Yeah, we're not seeing it. And she gets to see more of Lorelai through all of her friends being around and her being herself. Yeah. She's she's never herself at Emily's place because she's like dressed up and she's being like, (laughs) she's being as polite as she can be. You know, she's on, she's on her best behavior, really, when she's at Emily's, even though she's a snarky person. Yeah. Like when she's back at home, she's a whole different person, right? Like, yeah. (laughs) And she's seeing like the relaxed and the caring and the like the keepsakes and the goofiness and it's like she's seeing a more holistic version of her daughter that she would have never seen from the bandage of her dining room table Mm -hmm. right because it's just something that Lorelai doesn't want to show like she's not in the position to be sharing well and she doesn't feel comfortable sharing anything in her house anyway she's she's gonna follow her standards while she's there she's exactly uh yeah, like that that line really broke my heart and it, it does every time. And then it's like one of those things where it's like you start to see that Emily has the capacity to understand Lorelai because <laughs> without realizing that she doesn't, there was no way she could have moved forward. So, True. yeah. And, and that's the thing with Richard, too, is Richard spent that entire party on the patio doing like a magazine reading and. Well, yeah, but but Rory like realized how what he would like, and and yeah. got the Cosmo for him, and said, exactly. "I think I like this." It's yeah. like you know, like and he's interested in reading it because she says he'll like it, right? Yeah, and, like he would have blown off Cosmo for the rest of his life and not give a crap, right? But yeah. she's like, you know, it's got a puzzle in it about this or what whatever the thing was, and. And and he like sits there and he goes through it and she says so what's the verdict at the end because she like knew that he I was am an auto interesting right. he said like- <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know what I mean yeah I I do, I do love that and and that's kind of it's like I think it's really funny that Lorelai is so goofy because she one hundred percent gets that from Richard Richard is a goofy man. <laughs> <laughs> like the interpretation of it is ho- like a completely different thing because he's in a different world but like <laughs> it truly he's just a goofy person <laughs> so i am not so yeah and then and then that leads into the end of that episode like you take a moment you're like you're living in this stew of emotion and it leads straight in with and then Lorelai sees me uh, yeah, commando. I have no underwear clean. So, you know, and then uh, and then she's like, well, how do you have clean underwear? You have less than me. No, I don't. I have more than you. No. Okay, I did a load. <laughs> you, know? you did a load? Without me? <laughs> and you didn't even ask if I had anything to throw in? It was a big load. She's <laughs> like, Rory's like, well, I got sick of waiting around on you to do some. And I needed some clean underwear. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> so, but then your whole thing with Taylor starts, right? And and this is like the beginning, like 
It took them seven episodes to get to a main character, right? right? <laughs> well, in fairness, they were establishing a lot in those seven episodes. They were, but like Taylor, like, <laughs> like Luke becomes so much more three-dimensional with someone like Taylor around, right? Because he pulls so much out of Luke, you know, like <laughs> so many things he pulls. Like Luke's sort of quiet, only has a few things to say here and there. But when mm -hmm. Taylor's around, he just gets him so riled up that he becomes like. <laughs> well, and I, you know, I also think it's it's funny to introduce like, I basically think that they, like, they obviously knew Luke was going to be an important character from the start, but they're slow playing in the background that he's going to be a main character because they have those scenes, like, there was the moment where she goes, oh, what do you think of Luke? And, like, oh, commenting on how well she's dressed for certain events. And, like, then you have the pie moment and then you have the he ice up, he showed up with the ice like yeah. yeah and emily saw him and thought that she was you know and the second that emily says something to lorelei directly about it right you're kind of tipped off with okay this has been mentioned enough times and is now being mentioned by emily that's going to be a main threat <laughs> we don't know much about him really until this relationship with Taylor starts to come about, right? Yeah, because he starts to uh, give away things about himself because of it. Like, you know, like he won't decorate for fall. Yeah. <laughs> and it's it's like, the thing is, a lot of the time when he won't do one of the town things, and we find this out a little bit at a time as we go, it's because it reminds him of his family, right? <laughs> and his dad's gone. And... He doesn't want to be reminded of that. He's like in there working in his hardware store, making it a diner because he wants to do his thing, right? Yeah. Which is like, you know, Lorelai wants to do her thing and she runs an inn. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. He wants to run a diner and he had no other choice but to use this hardware store as a diner. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, well, you don't find that out completely until later why it's a why is the hardware store the diner? This is odd, you know, yeah. like, and, and uh, so, but the whole thing starts to, you know, you know, well, he, he used to put up these kind of decorations. Yeah, well, I don't, you know, <laughs> or whatever, right? It hasn't been this way for so many years or whatever. And their banter back and forth is like, you know, basically he's getting, chewed out. <laughs> he's getting chewed out because luke won't do things that his dad did you know but they're not really going into that level of detail because luke's shutting him down because it pisses him off to talk about it right yeah. <laughs> so i love that and then of course the whole where you really see that taylor's completely overboard with it anyway is when you go mm -hmm. into the grocery and he's like got cranberries on sale s-a-i-l yeah, and he's, he's like, trying to get them to be like the Mayflower. It doesn't really look like the Mayflower, though. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, <laughs> so that whole thing's going on right before the kiss. You know, Rory, <laughs> Rory is looking at a box of starch, like, <laughs> for, yeah. for God's sake. And then he pulls her over and like plays the little hands behind the back, pick one and kisses her act. And yeah. she says nothing but thank you and runs out. Yeah. <laughs> she goes, I'm like, thank you. <laughs> and I'm thinking like, how would I react if I, my first kiss with the girl I liked when I was 16, 
she just said thank you and ran away. <laughs> I would be like, what just happened? Like I literally, well, because like I think that it's it's almost it started up forefront. Like I think he could have almost expected that reaction because the interaction they had before at the cat funeral was him being like, Hey, I've just, I've noticed that you like, I'm sorry. I thought you liked me. I think that that was clearly very wrong and I'm going to stop bothering you now. And then she's like, no, 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 you weren't wrong. I'm just awkward. Like, and so I think that he's already got the tip off of like, I make her so nervous that she acts weird. She didn't even say she was awkward. She just said, no, no, you're wrong. I, I do like you. And then she I am she, interested. Yeah. I am interested. And then she walks away. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this is not the first awkward encounter. And what if one could have almost predicted thank you and running immediately to Lane's house. And then Lane and her thing is hilarious because she says, I, I, got kiss. I got kissed. <laughs> Where? In aisle three, right beside the ant spray? That's a good aisle. That's a good aisle. That's a good aisle. Why is it a good aisle? And she any, says, any, any aisle where you get kissed by a boy is a good aisle. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then of course Lane's mom overhears it, you know, mm-hmm. and tells her. Please. Like uh, I I think that Lane's mom's character is is the um, you know, it's like another version of Emily and Lorelai. Mm-hmm. In, mm-hmm. in contrast, which is really, it, th- these are brilliant dynamics they're putting together, right? You get to see the contrast of how these non-communicative parents, mm-hmm. you know, or or ones that are, you know, they're causing their kids to hide things from them because well, they're so like, ridiculous about things. <laughs> it's also, it's interesting to me because she does overhear it. And she does acknowledge it. She's like, what are we talking about kissing boys? And then Rory, like, like I think Lane's the one who's like, in the Bible, in the, like, like they make up some silly lie that's obviously not the case. And she <laughs> pretends to agree, like, oh, okay, and walks away from it. But clearly she doesn't actually buy the lie. She just pretends to. Right. Like, she she and and what's funny is um she thinks that elaine thinks that she bought it like and she does a lot of the time she thinks she buys her lies but she doesn't she's way more savvy than all that yeah she's (laughs) not she's not buying the lie what she's doing is deciding whether she wants to fight over it or not (laughs) right that's where she and that's like it really, it really draws into question for me later on, like exactly how much Lane's mom knows, right? Because I think that Lane's mom actually puts up with a lot of Lane's lies because she realizes that it isn't actually like deterring Lane from doing what she wants to do. Like, it makes me really question whether or not like Lane's mother doesn't know about her secret stash of music under the floorboard and in the closet, right? Because oh, I don't know that I, I, I think I think she box. knows about it, but I don't think she understands the extent. Yes, you understand but what I'm saying? Like, yeah, she probably doesn't understand the extent to it, but yeah. she probably does know it. She knows there's something. She knows there's stuff being hidden from her. She doesn't know the extent of it at all. 
right? No. But <laughs> and, she also and, like, and the reason she knows there's stuff being hid, hidden from her that you find out many years later is that she's hiding all sorts of shit from her mom. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. You know what yeah. I mean? Like the fact that she's a Christian, in fact, is something. You know, so yeah. like like when when later you see that, it's like, oh, now I get why she isn't like that upset with Lane. Yeah. Because she has the same problem with her mom that Lorelai has with her mom. Yeah. <laughs> well, and it's honestly, yeah. it's funny to me because I think that Lane's mom is also very much like, I don't really care if you have these things, right? As long, Like, I don't care that, that you may be hiding this thing from me as long as you are doing the thing that you know I want you to do to my face, right? Like, <laughs> yes. you are showing yeah. me respect, which is what I want, really. It's like, mm -hmm. as long as you're respecting me as your parent, that's what I want, more than I want you to not be listening to rock and roll music. Like, I want you to show respect by keeping your room clean and, like, at least trying to hide when you're disobeying me, right? Like, that's... Well, and and I, I think that that's... Like, she's more savvy than Emily in that way. Like, Emily with Lorelai didn't, wasn't savvy enough to notice that things yeah. were, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, or at least not, like, savvy enough to know the difference between catching a lie and letting it slide so that you can understand the information better versus catching a lie and immediately dropping the hammer because they shouldn't be lying to you if they respect you, right? Right, yeah. Like, so, I think... Yeah, I, I, I think that, that prioritizing information, right? and, and that's and that's where this episode goes with Rory and Lorelai too. It's yeah. like Lorelai wasn't really being lied to; she just wasn't being let in on the information. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, and um, and I think that like this is the moment. I think Lorelai always gets a bad rep as being quote unquote like too childish to be a parent. Like she's trying to be a friend more than she's trying to be a parent because she very much takes on this situation from a parent pers first perspective. And a lot of the grief that she gets in return is because she's acting like a parent for the first time ever. Like, well, and then she, then she starts thinking, I need to think about this differently because I don't want to screw this up. And yeah. she goes and spies on Dean and Luke catches her, right? Yeah. And then and then the Luke and her like conversation right there is the first time we see how really good of friends they are. Yeah, you know I mean? because he's being a supportive and, friend. And he says <laughs> he says something like she says, I don't know why she didn't tell me. And he says, probably because she knew you'd take it so well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like what I like about like, that is he's offering <laughs> advice and talking her down and, and really being a sounding board for her. And then she goes off on this tangent, ignores what he's saying, and he goes, you stopped needing another person here a while ago, huh? And he goes, yeah. She goes, yeah, way back by the gelato stand. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. <laughs> He's like, you know, just so we're clear, <laughs> you, you've got this now. Okay. <laughs> I love that whole, the, 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 the really quick comeback, probably because she knew you'd take it so well. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then, of course, I mean, this is the second question to ask you, because I asked you earlier how you feel about me dating one of your teachers. But this is how would you feel if the guy you like, I invited him over to have a movie and pizza I mean, <laughs> before you dated them? 
Like I think I don't think that you would have. Like is the thing. I mean, like, no, I wouldn't have. Hell no, I wouldn't. Hell no. <laughs> like, 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 I think that the weird thing about Laura, like, like I think that this is really where like Lorelai and Rory's relationship starts establishing very different rules from what our rules have always been. Like, <laughs> I do not think we are the kind of people who talk about relationships with like, like, like I don't really talk to my parents about dating life. Like I pretty much keep it like to myself or my friends. Like I have a support network for talking about it. I don't really think that support network should include my parents for a lot of things, because I don't think that I really want them privy to like the first draft of a relationship. Like I think that, my philosophy has always been I will bring a boyfriend to you when they are far enough along with me to like be worthy of a conversation with my parents. Right. But, you know, I did so, greatly enjoy the first date story from Scotland. Yeah. You yeah. Know? The ambulance guy. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, the guy has heat stroke and you have to call an ambulance and like all of Which that. Is- <laughs> I mean, like, I, I, you know, I need to be let in on that stuff. That's just gold, yeah. right? Yeah. I mean, but you like, know, a, you go for a first date, the guy gets heat stroke, he calls, you call an ambulance, and then you're supposed to stay there with him. Yeah. <laughs> you don't even it's know him. Like, like, but like, note that that guy doesn't have a name. <laughs> like, right. Like, I don't know what his name was. I don't care. And because he doesn't matter because at that point he's just a story like like and if i went on an update with I mean, ambulance guy from I, I like to think his name was you know ron weasley i don't know he's he's from great britain no he's, he's, yeah i mean yeah so it's like it's like one of those things where like i don't think that like first date is really the time that a parent would in my in my comfort level i don't think that like a guy should know my parent right off the bat and it's not because i don't want my parent in on something it's because at that point he's just some fucking schmuck right like he's not run the gamut enough for me to want my parents to know him because my parents are way more important to me than some guy i'm on a first date with Right. Like, and like that, I think is the crux of the conversation that Lorelai and Dean really have at first, because in Lorelai's mind, she hasn't really intellectualized yet that she is more important than this boy. Right. Because in her mind, it's, oh, Rory is keeping a secret from me. But what Dean really says to her is. And in her mind, it is that it's Christopher. Yes. Yeah. In her mind, this is a Christopher level person. And maybe Dean, like Dean does kind of move into like a more important boy, first boyfriend role. But at that point, he's just a guy that she likes, right? Like he's not important enough to Rory to bring to Lorelai's attention, right? Like that's why she, you know, and, and the thing that I, um, you know, um, the, the thing that I was, uh, you know, the, like the first date's going on, right? They're sitting there, <laughs> basically they're all together. And Lorelai goes in the kitchen and um, he says, you know, uh, they're, they're talking about what movie to pick next time, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, she says something along the lines of, um, she had a bad reaction 
Wow. Bye. Love you. <laughs> Have fun. Thanks. Um, she says something along the lines of, um, she had a bad reaction to to Magnolia. She sat there screaming for three hours, I want my life back. <laughs> like, you know, you got to be careful about what movie you pick, right? And the, mm -hmm. so then she goes into the, she's like, I'm going to go check on her. And she goes off to the bathroom while Lorelai goes back because they don't want to come back at the same time and be weird, right? And and that's when Lorelai sits down and she's alone with Dean and she has like a real talk with him, like what I'm worried about, which is, you know, um, look, if you break her heart, this whole town is going to be against you. Like you're new here. I'm just going to tell you right now, like you should just jump out at this moment if you can't take it because you're going to be watched, you know? Yeah. And And I was like, uh, from from a dad's perspective and the things I know about some of the boyfriends that you've had or girlfriends that you know my that AJ's had it's like I wish that people were watching that well you know yeah. I wish that I was in a place where people were watching over my yeah. children when they're not around enough to 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 help with things like that because yeah that that pressure makes people be better to each other you know yeah. <laughs> like yeah and, and it, it, it leads to a higher expectation. And I think that, that that's really something our society needs, <laughs> you know, higher expectations. Mm -hmm. um, and um, I mean, you know, I always had higher expectations of people that I dated. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. my bar would be high enough that like, you know, a lot of those things didn't happen to me just because like the things that could go and be really bad, you know? Yeah. Um, and um, so I, I think that it's a, um, a, that moment in there, I really loved it because it was like, you know, you, you were talking about how they were uh, making Stars Hollow kind of a mythical place. And it mm -hmm. is kind of mythical if everybody's watching to that degree that they do there. Like, I mean, yeah. you know. <laughs> like people are watch uh, people were watching when that stuff happened. But it was not treated like something where someone's going to intervene or someone's going to say something to you about it. It was very much like they're watching in a that's none of my business capacity, right? A, like a I want to know every dirty detail, but it's none of my business. So I'm not <laughs> going to say anything. Right. But I'm so, also not going to let it go sideways. And if it does, I will make people pay in one way or another. Right? Exactly. <laughs> that's kind of, it's like, I, I understand where it's like, damn, I really wish my kids had that because I think that like, I have always strived to be that kind of friend. And I know that that's the standard for like my relationships with people. Like if you're my friend, there's a certain amount of, and to the end of the earth care that I want to give to those people, right? Like, I mean, part, uh, part of the testament to that is, is that I am the kind of person who's like, if you're my friend and you want to come across the world and sleep on my couch, like that's the expectation. Like, of course you're welcome wherever I am. Um, now a lot of the relationships with people that I have that go that far are people that I've known for most of my life, like Sid or like Ross. Um, but I think that like, finding those relationships took a really long time because the thing with Lorelai and Rory is that Lorelai started looking for those people and building those relationships 
before Rory was even born, right? Like the second she moved to Stars Hollow and started working at the Independence Inn, she started looking for and building those relationships so that her daughter would be looked after like she is. Because it, like that's the one thing that Lorelai was really missing growing up was a community that supported her, you know? Yeah. So, and like, and it, community it, is, it's gold. I want to live there. Yeah. I mean, I think everyone, <laughs> right? Like, and so, so like that sort of thing, like I completely get that. And I think that Lorelai is honestly being really compassionate to say that to Dean, to say like, hey, man, I want to like you. I really do, but you have to understand what you're getting into, right? Yeah, and she will never ride on your motorcycle. Yeah. No, <laughs> I don't have a motorcycle. She would she never, never ride, ride on, on your motorcycle. motorcycle. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. That. yeah. And, and, and Dean is right too when he says, he's like, you know what? I don't, the town could run out, run me out with pitchforks and I wouldn't care. The only opinion that matters is yours, right? Mm-hmm. And he's right. Like if Lorelai hates him, he's screwed. Like in every respect. Like, <laughs> not, just, not just in Rory. And he hasn't even been around that long that long there. But he and can he tell if Lorelai doesn't like Rory's boyfriend, Rory's boyfriend is never gonna be a boyfriend for very long. Like yeah. she might rebel oh. for a minute, but I mean, because that, that does happen, we all know. But yeah. it isn't gonna last because yeah. That, she loves her mom. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, I, I love this because the, the, all these relationships are going to get, so they're, they're I mean, I, we, we know what happened. We've watched it before, but yeah. like love diving deeper into this. It's really fun. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's interesting to say like, oh, Rory is like beloved in town and you need to understand and expect that. Because where the relationship goes, it's like Rory 100% always had the upper hand in that, right? Mm -hmm. Because the town knows Dean and likes Dean, but only so far as Dean is Rory's boyfriend. And so it's like when, you know, when this goes how it goes, that dynamic really comes into play in a way that like is interesting, I think. Well, yeah, and you know, we'll we'll, we'll end up talking yeah. about that in depth, I'm sure. You know, because I can't remember all of the details of everything that happens along the way there, but it, I do know that, um, you know, it doesn't it doesn't go that badly for Dean at the end of the day. And yeah, at the end of the day, uh-huh. because, yeah. because you know, um, it goes back to it. Lorelai's opinion is king, <laughs> you know. Right. So. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um. But um, yeah, so these were great. Are we going to do four more next time? Yep, four sounds great. Yeah, I was really like itching to watch number eight. Like, Yeah, I mean, I I had to stop. I think I finished on Wednesday or something. Another one. Yeah. So shows like crack. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Yes, of course we know this. That's why we watch it every fall. Yeah. (laughs) Well, and I have a knitting, I I don't know if, so I'm doing a knitting thing. Um, there's this girl on Instagram who actually is from Glasgow and I'm, I'm doing, she like makes knitting patterns. So I'm doing a test run for a skirt pattern that she's been developing. And 
Um, it's been nice to have something to do with my hands while I watch, but it's also one of those things where I'm like full fall mode and I have to like stop myself from continuing. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, I, um, was, uh, watching an episode and then, uh, going on the back porch and reading. So with your old Kindle, because like in the light, it's better. There's no glare. Yeah. Um, so what are you reading right now? Uh, <laughs> Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Nice. I am listening to Treasure Island while I cook, and it's been really nice. <laughs> I also, I'm just at the part where they're on the island, and it's funny because I, um, I've only... Yeah, you're doing all the old books for your uh, podcast, right? Like, Yes, yeah. So I'm actually starting that this week because I just got my lavalier mic in the mail. Um yeah, so w- 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 the, what's it going to be called? I don't, don't know. know yet. Okay, well, we, we, I, we can add that to this. So, you know, yeah. these will start coming out in just a moment. So. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> so, well, and so basically, yeah, I've been, I've been reading Wuthering Heights for that, because that's what I'll start on. But I wanted to listen to I've, – I've read, like, half of Treasure Planet bef- or Treasure Island before because I really love Treasure Planet as a movie, and I know that it's just, like, a sci-fi adaptation of the book. Um, mm-hmm. But I didn't realize, like, how far that went and, like, some of the things that the movie did with it. So that's been kind of interesting. Like, um, they, they're on the island now where where I am in the book, and so they introduced the character of, like, the person who was marooned on it, and I didn't realize that, like – that robot character was an actual character in the book. <laughs> that was like a human being that they turned into a robot. Like, you know, uh, like you know, it's kind of like um, the Demi Moore version of uh, you know uh, <laughs> uh, the Demi Moore version of the Scarlet Letter. Yes, the Scarlet I do Letter. Yeah. About. The like that. It's like yeah, you just yeah. like like roll your like. Oh my God! This is they. They've just bended and twisted the Scarlet Letter. They haven't actually, like, made the Scarlet Letter. <laughs> well, I don't know. I think that it's a kid's movie. Like, I think Treasure Island is far too, like, serious of a book to really be talking about. Like, people die pretty gruesomely in Treasure Island. Like, you're not going to make the kids' adaptation of Treasure Island not fun. <laughs> like, well, I, you know, I think they did that with a lot of uh, older stories like that. They turned them into kids' stories instead of make them what they are uh, like they didn't trust the adults to like them or something. <laughs> well, I think I I think that that's true because we treat we treat classics like they suck, which is stupid. I hate that we do that. Honestly, that's part of why I'm trying to do this podcast is because I'm really tired of us talking about classical literature as if it's something for an academic to enjoy. Like just because something's written in a different type of style of language or like from a different time period doesn't mean it doesn't have value now. Like Wuthering Heights, the reason I chose it is partially because when you're reading Wuthering Heights, you realize that to a certain degree, it's very Kardashians, right? Like, like it's it's just a society trauma. Like we're just talking about people who shouldn't be dating and end up getting married even though they shouldn't be married, right? Like, yeah, yeah these yeah. people shouldn't have kids is the entirety of what the Ray it's, it's, it's like the whole Ray Hoskins don't have babies with crazy people theme. That is, that <laughs> is the plot of what the Ray Yeah. Don't have babies with crazy people. Because <laughs> they never yeah. go away. 
Like, yeah. Well, and that's, and, and the thing is like, you know, don't have babies with crazy people because they may die and you will still have to deal with the crazy, right? <laughs> <laughs> they never go away. Like, you yeah. know, that's like a, yeah. Yeah. And so the same, the same goes with Treasure Island where it's like, it's a really interesting and good story. It's just about pirates in like the Victorian era. So it's hard to like sometimes because it's written in that old English. And unless you're listening to it or reading it in a way that like is easier to interpret um, from a modern standpoint, it's almost hard to understand and empathize with the characters. Well, you, you, your brain has to like kind of get fully yeah. in. You know, yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the same is true of like Harry Potter, really. I mean, it, it's 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 a, it's written in kind of a um, uh, you know, British English, right? And yeah. so, you, I mean, they toned it down, and like there are things that they've changed. Yeah, I mean, when, when they edited it and made one for America, they did shift it a little bit to, to help with that, but it's still there, you know. I think, and um, I honestly yeah. think Harry Potter is why I use quite so much in my English. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. We gave you something. Yeah. With, uh, with the with the Harry Potter. You gave me quite a lot, to be frank. So. No, I mean, I um, you, you know, I the the crazy thing is that every once in a while, I just want to read all seven of those books again. <laughs> no, yeah, I understand that. So, um, but I um, yeah, I was doing that. I, it, you know, the weather here has been wonderful. It's, you know, it was like seventy eight degrees on Thursday and mm -hmm. afternoon, and I was like, you know. I spent like 45 minutes out there reading in the mm -hmm. screen porch because the weather was, was perfect nice. and there was a nice breeze, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So well, it was, it was beautiful earlier today. Um, it actually perfectly became overcast as we were returning home, but around one or two o'clock, I, I had gotten a coffee. I came back to the apartment and I walked up and I said, Hey Sid, it's beautiful and 70 degrees outside. So let's go to the park for a little bit. And we just sat in the grass and I knitted and Sid wrote. And we had a little day of it. It's actually. Oh, like, you know what happens tomorrow, right? Well, I'm going to Edinburgh tomorrow. So. You know what happens. You're going down a path I cannot follow. I know, no. I know football Sunday is back for you, but that's, I, that's what the music is, right? Like yeah, you know. Yeah, like, football Sunday. I know. Um tomorrow we're gonna have game time chili, you know. Oh, you're having game time. Did I tell you I think that's the only part of football year? Sunday that you really participate in is you come and get a bowl of game time chili and then march I put off. A, a, a metric fuckload of cheese on it and then crackers and then i mix it and then i go off to a different room to watch anything else yeah <laughs> yeah but tomorrow the colts will be playing colts you know yeah. it was a I, I do know the colts. yeah <laughs> um so <laughs> so that's tomorrow you know so i taught i don't know if i told you the story but i think that you would be proud of me a person i met here once um, was talking to me about sports and he was like, Oh, what sports are you interested in? I was like, I mean, I only kind of know about like basketball, football. Like I really liked, like, I, I have a part of me that likes baseball, blah, blah, blah. And he was like, Oh, when you say football, you mean like American football. I was like, yeah, I don't know dick about soccer. So, <laughs> and 
he was like, I don't know anything about American football. Um, I mean, I know Tom Brady and just like out of impulse, I just went, fuck Tom Brady. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, I taught you well. Sorry. <laughs> yes, fuck I, Tom Brady. I couldn't help it. Yeah. You know, it's just yeah. my body did that. <laughs> it's a visceral <laughs> reaction. I understand. Like, like that's the I'm with you, Bailey. Look like, at that. Like my eyes went red, red for a second. I blacked out. What did I see? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, we don't say anything. We don't say that name in this house. <laughs> Tom Brady always has to be preceded with fuck. Yeah, fuck yeah. Tom Brady. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. that's that's the that's the rule. That's just how it is. Yeah. yeah. I was like, and he was like, why? Is there like a rival team? And I had to explain, like, yeah, when I was growing up, it was like the Colts were really, really good. And their rivals were the Patriots. And Tom Brady was like mm -hmm. the main player on the Patriots at the time. So, yeah. yeah. We had the better quarterback. We had Peyton Manning. So, Peyton Manning's also just a better person than Tom Brady. So, yeah. Peyton Manning's a badass. And Peyton, Peyton Manning's this, such a good person. <laughs> you know, here's the thing the best thing ever is the Manning cast that's on Monday Night Football. So, like, I don't oh. know if you saw this last year. It was the first year of it, but. What they have is, you know, the regular Monday Night Football broadcast. And then on mm -hmm. ESPN2, they have Eli and Peyton Manning doing their own broadcast, only they're not, like, broadcasting the game normally. They're just talking about the game, like like yeah. others would. And it's mm -hmm. hilarious and great. And they have, like, other, like, players join the Manning cast, like mm -hmm. actual guys who play on other teams, like, that still play, like, not, like, retired players, like, other people. But like one game last year, they had Tom Brady on in the second quarter of a game and they're mm -hmm. talking to him and the teams that are playing one of them, he, Tom Brady has to play next week. Right. Mm -hmm. So as Peyton and Eli are talking about the game with Tom Brady, they're like, Tom's like, Ooh, I haven't seen that before out of him." You know, like mm -hmm. he started getting insight. Like he had been watching their game film because mm -hmm. he's going to play him in a week. Right. And he started, and they're like, oh, are you giving away secrets? Be careful. You know, like, start, yeah. start, <laughs> you know, he's like, no, I'm not worried about them. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I got this. They they can they can they can get whatever tips they need. I'll still beat them. Is what he said or something like that. Yeah. 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 Well, and like that's kind of it's like um I, I like that, like behind the veil kind of thing. It was beautiful. It's a great show because, like, they're they're two of the best quarterbacks ever, right? Like, yeah. You know, well, they're, and they're good personalities too. Like, there's yeah, and they're they funny. Think. They're very funny. I mean, like, yeah. all of their commercials are funny, right? Yeah. And so they're doing this whole thing, and I mean, the funny thing is, every once in a while, Peyton will take over, and he's like, "Did you see that play? Look at what they did!" And he'll like start drawing on the screen and stuff like crazy. Yeah. It's like. <laughs> You know, and they'll miss like three or four plays while he's jacking on about something else, you know, and yeah. uh, but it's it's like the best. I'm like, this is the way I always want to watch football. Can I always watch football with Peyton and Eli? Like, I want them so, to come over. Like, <laughs> so I had a like, I, I remember this very distinctly from when I lived in St. Louis for a summer. Um, one of the first people I talked to, I was like at this, it was like this meetup group for Spanish speakers, I think was where this was at. I was talking to this guy. Um, and he like, he was like, Oh, you're from Indianapolis. Um, uh, you guys, how, how does the city feel about Peyton Manning now that he's abandoned you guys? And I was like, um, 
bro, like, I don't think you understand, like, Indianapolis loves Peyton Manning. Like, Peyton Manning is, like, our cherub child. <laughs> like, we love him. Um, he still has a great relationship with us. He, like, was a very active member of the community. He, like, funded a children's hospital, for fuck's sake. So, like, he still does. Still does. Still yeah. is involved in our community. Still shows up to our events. Still, like talks to our community. Yeah. Even though he lives in Denver, he still comes yeah. here for events and yeah. stuff in the hospital and exactly like, kind of like yeah. it's like, yeah. it, it's like you're in Cleveland and you're talking about Le- LeBron James, like, come on. Like, like, LeBron is in LA. He's still Cleveland. Yeah. Now. He's still a member of that community because yeah. he is from, you know, there. you know, and I mean, I mean, after Peyton retired from playing at Denver, we put a statue of him up. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. if you want to know how important Peyton Manning is to Indiana sports, he is the only sports figure in Indiana that has a statue outside the stadium. <laughs> yeah. That's exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And and the thing is, like, Indiana is the home of basketball, right? But like, the Pacers aren't like as beloved as Peyton Manning is. Like, the team, the Pacers, is not as well liked as Peyton Manning himself as a person. Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, Reggie Miller was very, very, is still very well liked, and he's the greatest Pacer player. And yeah. it's not close in terms yeah. of popularity. It's not touchable. <laughs> yeah. Like, <laughs> and Reggie still lives there and, like, is an, also active and around, but yeah. Well, I don't know that he lives here. I think, I think Reggie lives in LA. Well, he, like, his parents go to, like, Colts games and shit still. So, well, I mean, Reggie's, Reggie's family's from LA. So, I think he I think he's moved out there, but um I I'm not sure though. I'm not sure where Reggie Miller lives. I think I he's still I think he's still, still think lives in Indy. Has a residence in Indiana. Yeah, I mean that's possible. I know that Andrew Luck still lives in Indianapolis. And, yeah, that's uh, true. And um so it's uh it's interesting because he uh like you know he shows up at stuff every once in a while, like weird like there's any yeah. luck sightings and you know people are like he's still around maybe he'll come back and play it's like no he's not no going. he's just living his life going <laughs> maybe, well maybe i shouldn't completely destroy my stanford brain to like a sport that doesn't care <laughs> like i mean yeah he's a great player so maybe um, i should quit while i'm ahead as far as concussions go i think that i think it was more that than anything else yeah so yeah. um well, hey, I think we've run out of topics because I even got you to talk about football. So, yeah, you know, next weekend, we'll jump back into this again. And um, yeah, sounds good. I love you a lot. I love you, too. Thank you for being a part of the Family Rabble podcast with Joe Shelton and Bailey Shelton. Join us next time for more fun episodes.